This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. We have a special announcement for you guys today. Uh, we are welcoming a new member to the Swamp 24-7 team. Today we've got Brett Diogardi with us. He's a former Florida long snapper from 2016 to 2020. And uh, I was joking with Brett about it before the show. You know, Blake and I, we're, we're kind of the talking heads and, and Brett will lend us kind of a, a real air of credibility, some X's and O's knowledge, some locker room knowledge. So Brett, we are thrilled to have you on, man. How's it going? Good, man. I'm uh, super excited to join you guys. Looking forward to it. All righty. Well, let's let's get into talking about uh, what happened yesterday. Obviously, you know, going into that Florida-Georgia game, I think everybody kind of had the expectation that that game could snowball on Florida. And, it, you know, really for the first quarter, I thought Florida did a pretty good job doing everything it needed to do. The defense, you know, showed up, looked like um, a little bit of a rough first series, but I, I thought, generally speaking, did okay. And, I guess, guys, let's talk about where it went wrong. Um, I mean, that, that, that stretch just before halftime, to me, that's kind of a microcosm of Florida's season. But uh, what were your guys, what were your takeaways from the game? Either one of you. You know, for me, I think it was just, I, I agree, the first quarter went really well. Um, you know, whenever you have a young quarterback in there like Anthony Richardson making his first start, you know, you expect some turnovers, you know, some things maybe move slower. But, you know, it really did start to snowball on them. You know, that was a kind of a wild moment right there in the second quarter where it's like, you know, if you get up and, you know, use the bathroom or grab a drink or something like that and you come back and, you know, it's a very different game. You know, things happen very quickly and it just seemed like that hole was something that Florida couldn't get themselves out of. Yeah, no, I agree, certainly. I mean, to be honest, going into the game, it had that weird kind of feeling to me prior to that Alabama game where you you think, you know, what's going to happen, not really having any idea how we're going to come out and play. Zero zero at half. I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, we're going to, you know, make this thing a game. And you got two minutes left in the uh, second quarter. You're, you're only down, you know, three points. And you're thinking to yourself, like, wow, we're really going to hang in this game. And like you said, you could go use the bathroom. You come back. We're down, you know, 24 nothing. You're thinking to yourself, like, how did that happen? And it was just a uh, unfortunate situation. And they capitalized on turnovers. You know, I think it's crazy, too. We had fumble, one play, touchdown, next drive, interception, yeah. one play. So, you know, credit to Georgia for taking advantage of turnovers and capitalizing. Yeah, I think, that, you know, that's something that Dan Mullen talked about after the game. And I think it's one thing that's been missing for Florida this year is uh, you always hear defenses talk about going out and putting out the fire. You know, if the offense makes a mistake, the defense, no matter where it is on the field, has to go out there and kind of, you know, come up with a stop. Like, that's, that's their job. And I think Florida hasn't been very good at that this year. You know, they haven't been good at forcing takeaways. They haven't been good at not turning the ball over on offense. And uh, unfortunately, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of, you know, talent drop off at Florida. I mean, I think, you know, that that's an obvious thing at this point. Um, I, I guess let, let's talk about Anthony Richardson a little bit. Brett, I want to get your take on on how he played yesterday, because 
obviously a very, very tough situation for him to walk into. I mean, anybody knows that it's one of the toughest defenses really in college football, probably over the last 10 years. You know, a lot of people have compared them to 2011 Alabama. I think we saw probably, in my opinion, kind of what Dan Mullen was talking about, the things that Anthony Richardson maybe needed to, to, to go through to grow from. Uh, what was your takeaway from how Anthony played? And uh, was it a setback in the sense of you're worried about where he kind of goes from here or not really? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's tough, you know. Now I, I know Emery, you know, was going through it with Gator fans and stuff. And when you're that backup quarterback and a quarterback ahead of you struggling, it's always very easy, you know, for fans to be like, oh, you know, this guy would be doing way better. And I, I think they're both great quarterbacks. You know, they're different kind of play style. But Anthony's more of a run you over type guy. Emery's an elusive guy. But it was just a tough situation, man. Like you said, this Georgia defense, I was reading an article, you know, couple of days ago and it had a great point that all 11 starters on this defense very well could end up in the NFL which yeah. is just a crazy thing to think of you know he's basically going out there against a bunch of future NFL players and I'm not worried about his progression at all it, it was definitely tough and it's a growing pain you know it's you know I would have liked to see him do a lot better than he did but it's a real tough opponent I think he's going to be fine if anything this is great you know build a little chip on his shoulder he's he's a great dude in person too he's you know, very genuine guy and a, a great character off the field. So I'm looking forward to seeing him bounce back big time, but I'm not worried about him long-term. I think if anything, it's just a little growing pain. Blake, Blake, where do you stand on, I guess, whether or not Anthony should have been a little bit more involved early? Because I, I know that's kind of the common thing that fans are bringing up right now is, you know, we, we put him in a situation to fail, so to speak, because you are playing against one of the best, you know, defenses in college football. And, you know, I, we don't really know with the hamstring injury, but it seems like maybe he could have gotten a little bit more involved earlier on in some games where you're not facing, you know, an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. You know, I think that would have helped him get, you know, just the, a little bit more game experience. You know, I think that would have been necessary. Um, obviously it didn't happen, but you know, even if he had all those experiences, I don't think he would have ever, I don't think he would have been ready to play a, def- a defense like, Al- or excuse me, like Georgia's, you know, I, I think even if you have those experiences in there, I, I still think that Georgia's talented enough on defense to where, you know, those bang, bang type of plays with the, you know, the pick six and the interceptions, I think those things could have still happened. So, um, you know, while I do think that it would have been beneficial for them to get him on the field, get him that experience as early, you know, just continue to help him mold from, you know, not understanding the, you know, the checks here, or, you know, really getting him more of a grasp of the offense. I think those things would have obviously been helpful from him getting that game experience, but I still don't think that it would have been ready. I don't think he would have been prepared enough to play a defense like Georgia, just because I think they're that talented. And I think, I, I, I think where that leaves us kind of is, you know, we're, we're talking about this Georgia game to start off the show because that happened yesterday, but I think bigger picture wise, there's a lot of questions about where the program is right now. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in the second half of the show, but one thing that stood out immediately in the post game, you know, I asked Dan Mullen if he thought recruiting was up to snuff on his side and, you know, kind of bristled back, you know, well, we weren't recruiting today. We were coaching a game. It was game day. And on the flip side, I don't know the exact question that was asked to Kirby smart, but he was asked about recruiting the talent level, that kind of thing. And it was, it was basically a direct subtweet at Dan Mullen. I mean, he said, in no uncertain terms, you're not going to win if you don't go out there and eat, sleep, breathe, recruiting every day at this level in the SEC. And 
you know, if you go back to, uh, I, I know there was a, I forget exactly what year, but right after Justin Fields transferred, Dan Mullen kind of had the, the little subtle remark about, you know, some, some recruiters promise these kids the world and then they get there and it's totally different. These two coaches have kind of battled back and forth, you know, with those type of comments over the last four years. But it's hard to argue when you see the talent discrepancy that was on the field yesterday that, that Kirby Smart's maybe not got the right approach, in my opinion. I mean, you know, for Florida to get where they want to be, in my opinion, they've got to start recruiting a little bit closer to Kirby Smart. Brad, am I, am I wrong there? Oh, no. I was actually about to chime in there. Uh, it, I, I agree completely. It's just a big drop-off in talent, especially right now for the recruiting classes for upcoming years. And even my time there, it was just, it's frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm not saying we didn't have the guys, you know, to win an SEC championship. We did, but it's like you're just looking at the recruiting or you're watching the commitment videos because, you know, all these guys nowadays, they, they make everything all about social media and posts and everything. But it's just tough because you got Alabama and you got Georgia who are just top one and two almost every year. And it seems like we can never really get that five-star guy that they get, you know, three to four of them each year at least. And it's just a cycle. They just – it's crazy to me. We get excited when we get, you know, a four-star or three-star, and then you got Kirby just getting constant five-stars. And, and one other thing I wanted to add, and I, I think it was funny how you said that uh, thing about Mullen. Let's be honest. I mean, being a former player, they promise you a whole bunch. And right when you get there, it's like you could make a, a TikTok or a joke about it like, Oh, you know, you're my my best friend. Can't wait to work with you, man. You're going to be an NFL draft pick, this or that. You get there, you know, you're, you know, first workout, they're like five-star. You're not a five-star now. Like, you're bottom of the pecking order. Like, you need to earn stuff. And it, I just think it's funny, you know, best friend, best friend, when your parents are there and, and you're recruiting and everything. And then once you get there, it's like back to square one. Like, oh, crap. Like, okay, he's a lot different than when I when I was getting recruited, you know. Yeah, that, that de-recruiting happens quick. Uh, real quick. Oh, immediately, yeah. What, what is Dan Mullen like as a recruiter? Because Blake obviously covers it and hears from the kids, but what was your impression? I mean, what does he do well as as the guy that comes into your living room and is trying to sell you? Um, I mean, shoot, he's great at, at selling. I, I think he'd be a, a great uh, car, car dealer or uh, dealership guy. And he he um he's big on the standard, which, you know, I do got to give him credit. He reiterated or reiterates it every time we have a team meeting, you know, the, the core values of the program. The one thing I really do got to give him credit for is when, you know, uh, McElwain left, there wasn't really a true identity with the team and, and discipline was a huge issue. We had a lot of issues, you know, failed uh, drug tests, you know, people just doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And he did a great job of doing that off rip, which honestly, it's funny. I mentioned this because now I'm thinking to myself, like, it just seems like the discipline factor is kind of starting to fade off. It definitely has. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I first got there, it was, you know, super strict, discipline, you know, a lot of structured everything. And, I mean, it's tough when you have COVID, you know, because yeah. the whole COVID going on kind of resets everything. And, it, I mean, it was tough to even survive, you know, having a season and, and let alone worry about, you know, the structure of the team and everything. But in general, he does a great job with the Gator standard when I first, when he first got there, I feel like it's kind of, you know, fallen off a little bit, but he's big on selling you. You know, I mean, it's, it's not hard to sell, you know, top five school, you know, academically great academics, you usually a great football program, but um, in general, I mean, there's something unless, you know, Kirby smarts over here writing, you know, blank checks or something. I just don't know how 
everybody's getting or they're getting all these five stars. I mean, who wouldn't want to come play at Florida, especially right now? Shoot, all these guys that are like, oh, I'm the best wide receiver in the country. I'm going to come in and start like, shoot, you actually might at Florida right now. You know, you can come in great playing time, playing the SEC. Um, but in general, he didn't. I was a I was a long snapper, as you know, so not not too much recruiting for me. Maybe a couple Twitter DMs or a couple of phone calls from uh, some uh, special teams coordinators. But in general, I, you could just tell there's a huge difference in uh, the talent level these past couple of years. So Kirby and, you know, you don't even have to talk about Saban. He's in his own category, but there's definitely uh, something we're not doing, you know, as you can tell. Blake, we, we've talked about this. It, 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 you do get to a point where recruiting gets more difficult. You know, if, if you're so far into the program, you're three, you're four, and you start to lose kind of the obvious trajectory, right? I mean, Florida, you know, all the way up until probably the LSU game last year, you could make an easy case that they're building forward. We were texting last night after, after the game about Kirby's comments. Where does Florida, where is Florida left now from recruiting real quick before we take a little break? Where are they at? And, and when you heard Kirby's comments, Blake, what's your, I mean, what's your reaction? You know, I think Kirby has a good point. You know, I think if you're not eat, breathe, you know, sleeping, you know, making a recruiting part of your life. I mean, Kirby even said in his comment that, you know, he sacrifices time with his family to be in, you know, the living room of other other families, you know, having time with other kids. And, you know, you see Dan Mullen taking, you know, vacations the last week of June where the, you know, the other schools are having official visitors come in. You know, it just seems like, you know, I, I can't knock Dan Mullen for spending time with his family because I understand it. I have a family of my own. You know, I like spending time with them. But at the same time, too, I think there's a time and place for all of those things. You know, the last week of June, obviously, you can have in recruits. July is a dead period, you know. So I think that the timing of those kind of things just kind of shows that Dan Mullen doesn't really eat, breathe, sleep, you know, recruiting. You know, I understand that he obviously wants to have, you know, good players. You know, I'm sure that, you know, I'd be naive to think that he doesn't want to go out and get the best players in the state of Florida, keep those guys home. But I don't think the effort is going to be there enough. You know, guys in the state of Florida, you know, I mean, those are they're, they're guys that want to be, you know, courted. They want to be, you know, have their butts kissed. You know, they really want, you know, I mean, I've seen some uh, coaches that play like Madden online with some of these kids, you know, and that's not something that Florida's coaching staff is going to do. I mean, there are just so many different ways of building relationships from a, you know, a friendly type of vibe to a prospect coach type of thing. You know, so I, I understand that some of the stuff is silly, you know, sitting there on a Friday night play or, you know, a Thursday night playing Madden with a kid. You know, I'm not saying that that's something that Florida needs to do, but just the effort of other schools just seems to really trump what Florida does. So I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's a trickle down effect. You look at Dan Mullen going on vacation instead of going out and having official visitors come in, you know, and there's assistant coaches that are maybe at home, you know, on the phones with kids and stuff. You know, I, I think Florida does a good job with FaceTiming kids, making things more personal, but that's just not going to do enough whenever you've got other schools putting in that extra effort. Yeah, you know, when Brett was talking about the Gator standard and, and how good a job Mullen's done establishing that right away when he came in at Florida, you can clearly see that on the field and the discipline and some of the stuff that Brett's talking about. Where I struggle is, and, and I think a lot of fans struggle, is I'm not sure that you can say the same Gator standard is being applied to the effort in recruiting, right? And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's what Kirby Smart was talking about. You are, you're sacrificing a lot of, family time, personal time, like, and, you know, and different coaches will do that to different levels. You know, Steve Spurrier hit the golf course a lot, but at the end of the day, you, you know, if you're Dan Mullen and you know, as a coach, you're, you're a great X's and O's guy on offense. And, and that's kind of your calling card. You need to at least have the other parts of your game 
at a level where that calling card can push you over the top. And right now it's, it seems more to me like, you know, Florida is relying on Dan Mullins X's and O's and offensive acumen to kind of just hold on, so to speak. And I, I think that's problematic for the program. Let's take a quick break, guys. We'll, we'll come back right on the other side. I want to talk more about the state of the program. I want to talk more about Dan Mullins' comments after the Georgia game because I did think we got a little bit of a different tone from him in the post game. Maybe a little bit too late on that. We'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, but I do think it was notable. So right after this break, we'll be back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman and Brett Diogardi. Guys, we were talking about, obviously, the Florida-Georgia game, but I think right now it's probably more important to talk bigger picture context at Florida because those are the discussions, right or wrong, that are going on in the fan base. You know, Florida is only 2-7 and seven in their last nine games against Power 5 opponents. I mean, Brett and I were talking about it before the show. It's, it's insane to think that 13 months ago, Florida is, you know, what was it? Seven and one or eight and one in an all SEC schedule going into an LSU game against a team that they honestly should have waxed at home. Suddenly you lose that game. And, and 13 months later, we are talking about a completely different trajectory of the program. I think the, the intensity from Dan Mullen that fans want to see that they haven't seen the last couple of weeks showed up Saturday in the post-game press conference, right? Um, losses to Kentucky and LSU didn't really see a whole lot of fire from Dan Mullen in, in post-game press conferences. And look, they don't mean a ton. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I think when you're talking about where the program's going, the fans want to feel like, you know, the coach realizes there's an issue right now and then, knows how to address it. And I think from Dan Mullen yesterday, we at least heard more of that tone back from, you know, 2018 uh, when, when he had that press conference after the Missouri loss where he talked about thumb wrestling. Dan Mullen brought back his, his kind of like hold the rope, you know, analogy. And, and the rope is slipping right now. I think, uh, Blake, let me, let me ask you first. Did those comments do anything for you? Are they empty words? Or were you like me? a little bit encouraged to, to finally feel like Dan Mullen felt maybe a bit of a sense of urgency. I was encouraged by it. You know, I think that he knows that the noise from outside of the program is it's, you know, starting to get deafening, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I felt that he took some responsibility. You know, you look at, you know, post Kentucky game, you know, he said that Florida outgained them and that they weren't out coached, you know, those little things, they sound like excuses to me. And I think that he had, you know, some, 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 I don't know. I think he took some responsibility for where things are at right now. So I, I was encouraged by what he had to say. You know, we'll see how that goes going forward. 
You know, I don't think it's any secret that Florida's remaining schedule is is kind of the back end of it is fairly easier compared to some of these other games they've got there. So, you know, there's some chance for some bounce back. So um, I think finishing strong is what they need to do. You know, I think, again, he's taking some responsibility for things. So we'll see where things go, you know, going forward. Right. You've been in the locker room with Dan Mullen after similar tough losses, um, pivotal points in the program like this. Uh, I don't know if you've maybe reached out to, to old teammates or anything like that, or you just have maybe a, a general guess on what the vibe was like, but could you share with us, you know, what you think Dan Mullen's approach was yesterday when you come into that locker room and you're trying to regather your team? Yeah, it's funny too. Like you said, shoot a year ago, legit. We were in that locker room. Mullen was, I forgot what song, but we had, you know, like a uh, little baby playing or Kodak or something. And, Dan was jumping up and down and, you know, we just won the East, you know, everything was great. It's tough because to be honest, he's tough to read. Sometimes you don't know, like you're going to get what you're going to get from him, especially after a loss, you think, is it going to be, you know, him blowing up on us? But I feel like if I had to predict, it was probably just like, he's straight up, you know, like guys, you know, we got our ass kicked, you know, we need to work a lot harder. You know, some of it's on me, some of it's not on me, but in general, you know, we're not where we want to be at. This isn't the Gator standard. We got to have the best week. of. Actually, I know exactly what he said word for word. He'll be like, we got to have the best week of practice we've had this year. We are not even close to where we need to be right now. And it starts on Monday. You know, guys need to come in. And right now it's a gut check. You know, are you going to check out? Uh, we can't win the East. You know, we're going to go play in the Outback Bowl or the Mayo Clinic Bowl or something like that, you know what do you guys want the rest of the season to be like? Because it, you know, I'm not the one out there playing, you know, you guys are, I know I'm X's and O's, but in general, you know, what's the state of identity with this team? How are we going to respond? And, you know, it's going to be a tough week of practice. I'll tell you that, but in general, it's over. We lost, we got to have a great week of practice and it all starts Monday. So, you know, get ready for a, a tough week and get ready for the next week's game. I'm, I'm sure you're right on that because uh, Damian Pierce came in yesterday and was talking to us and he was like, man, I, I don't want to go out to practice Monday. Oh, gosh. Like, it's going to be rough. Yeah. No, uh, Monday is going to be a lot of uh, inside run team stuff. And yep. let's just hope there's no class misses because I don't think guys are going to want to run gassers. They're going to be uh, too, too gas themselves after practice. So, well, all right. I think it's important to to talk about state of the program. We, we did it a little bit in the first half of the show, and I think a lot of that is centered on recruiting because, you know, it, it's easy to look at yesterday's game and see that the, the talent deficiency and for Florida to consistently compete, they've got to they've got to recruit like Brett, like you were saying, you know, it seems like every year it's it's, you know, Alabama, Georgia are landing three or four of those truly elite you know, five-star top 50 types. And not that Florida hasn't done that here and there, but they're just not doing it consistently enough. And I, I think I think the frustrating thing for me watching Dan Mullen's program kind of from the outside is I, I truly do believe, and, and, you know, fans have debated with me on Twitter about this. I truly believe Dan Mullen's an elite offensive coach. I think he's extremely capable of drawing up an excellent game plan, really even across all three phases most of the time. And I think that's an elite skill set in a coach. Here's my thing. I think I liken it to almost like, you know how they talk about baseball prospects as being like five tool prospects. Mm -hmm. I think when you climb up the coaching ladder and you get to the level of the SEC, you better be like a five tool prospect, right? And that, that's evaluating recruits. That then is, you know, being able to work a pitch to sell 
those guys to come to your program, right? You, you, it doesn't do you any good to evaluate the guys you want if you can't land them. Then you got to be able to get them on campus and develop them. Uh, you've got to be able to put together those, those game day coaching plans, that kind of thing. And you have to do all the things that a CEO does of all those little things, you know, that Dan Mullen's responsible for. Blake, how many of those type of things do you think Dan Mullen has as a strength versus a weak? Because in my opinion, it's probably about half. Yeah, I would agree. I was going to think about half. You know, I think that they do a good job evaluating prospects, but I think at the same time too, a lot of these guys are work in progress type of guys, you know, like, um, you know, maybe a couple of years development. And I think again, whenever you're selling development on the recruiting trail, you know, you're, you're, you should be trying to sell, you know, guys coming in and making instant impacts, you know, not being developed for a couple of years, you know, seniority in there, you know, you just see some of these guys that come in that are talented and capable, but they're sitting behind some other guys, you know, not getting the playing time there. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, getting again some of those top tier type of guys coming in, you know, getting them on the field early so they can help. Um, you know, I think that's very beneficial for Florida. And I think you see that from a talent drop off, you know, Florida's got some guys that, you know, maybe they landed that were highly type prospect guys, you know, Jason Marshall might be the outlier to that because he comes in and he makes an impact early, but you're just not seeing a lot of those guys, you know, the Jeremiah Williams, you know, some of these top tier type of guys that Florida's landed that are playing consistently. You know, you look at even Tyron Hopper, who a lot of fans even last year were wanting him to get some more playing time. So you're just not seeing some of those guys get on there and getting, you know, getting, you know, the beneficial snaps that they need. So, um, you know, I think from a recruiting standpoint, you know, recruiting better is definitely one of the things that they need to do. You know, you have in there, you have a lot of guys that are raw. You know, even look at this recruiting class. Now you've got some guys in the recruiting class. Now one top 100 type of guy. So I think that the talent infusion needs to get better. On top of, you know, again, I think Dan Mullen is a great X's and O's type of guy, you know, but that's not going to do it for you. You know, you have some years where, you know, your talent drops off. You know, last year, obviously, Florida had a lot of talent, you know, a lot of NFL type of talent. They had a good year. You know, maybe they didn't finish as strong as they wanted to, but they had a really good roster. So, again, I, I don't think you can sit there and you can go on those years where you're just going to out-scheme everyone because you've got some talent. There's going to be some years where there's a drop-off like this year. You're not going to out-scheme guys that are just have more talent on the roster. You know, even Kentucky. Not even a more talented team than Florida, but they've got – I think that Kentucky has kind of the same mold of Florida where they've got some really good players this year, and they're playing at a higher level. So, you know, could there be some drop-off in the future for Kentucky? Maybe. But I think Florida needs to be on the game plan to where they're going to have the talent every year to where they can still, you know, yes, scheming things up is great, but they've got enough talent to sit there and compete with some of these teams on top of having the game planning and the X's and O's talk. Right. You've been through some ups and downs through your Florida career. What has to happen, I guess, at this point, um, you know, Florida's got four games left. What has to happen the rest of the 2021 season to, to leave you coming out feeling like, okay, this was a, this was a bad year, but we're still kind of headed the right direction. Should I try to be, you know, super optimistic or, or give my, I mean, however you want, uh, honest. I mean, yeah. Um, to be honest, man, it's just tough, like, being a former player and just knowing what's going through the minds of, you know, 90% of those guys is – it's just tough because you go into a season and you're thinking college football playoffs the goal, SEC championships the goal. When you don't hit that, it's it's messed up to say, you know, but it's like you start to think, you know, oh, well, what bowl game are we going to go to? Are we going to make a bowl game? Oh, two, a month off, you know, doesn't sound terrible if we uh, don't make a bowl game, but it's like – it's tough, man, especially with four losses right now. And to be honest, I, I I predicted us to go eight and four prior to the year. You know, during that Alabama game, I was thinking to myself, like, well, looks like I'm going to be getting some crap from some Gator fans. But 
to be honest with you, it's just tough. Uh, you know, you just want to hope. I think Anthony is the future, and I think he's going to be pretty close to being like a Heisman candidate player. But it's just not a lot of optimism right now, just knowing, you know, you still got to finish out the season and you didn't reach your goals, not even close to where you wanted to be. But then again, I think Blake, you know, crushed with what he just said perfectly. You know, we lost a lot of talent in my time there, you know, other than like a CJ Henderson type of player, you don't really have any true freshmen making a huge impact. And you see that on all these other teams, especially top 25 teams, they can have four or five freshmen that are killing it right now. And we just don't seem to have that. So it's tough. I mean, you just got to hope, you know, AR, you know, crushes it next year. And, you know, it, it's just, it really is tough to be optimistic. I'm trying to think of things to get optimistic about, but then you look at our recruiting classes, these next upcoming years as well. And it's like, since my 2016 class, which was a pretty stacked class, you know, a lot of guys in the NFL, we, we haven't seemed to have, you know, a great recruiting class since like that's that caliber where you got, you know, four or five guys coming in. You got Boshan, Joseph, Chauncey, Gardner, you know, you got all those guys that are immediately playing and making an impact. And we just don't seem to have that right now. So I would just say, you know, next year is going to be, you know, a new year. It's a clean slate. That's what we're all looking forward to. But you got to these next couple games are huge for the identity and the mentality, because you'll lose guys. I mean, shoot, you might have already lost a couple of guys already mentally. They've checked out. But in general, you know, you got to finish strong and, you know, give the fans what they want to see, good effort and everything, get ready. And just you got to attack this offseason. And Savage is going to have them, you know, mentally and physically getting ready for a new year. But just tough to be optimistic. You know, I know the fans kind of checked out themselves, but just, you know, Got to finish strong. Mizzou's no cake game. I, I mean, I, we could slip up against Mizzou. So really just try to end the season on a high note, win out, and get ready for a great offseason because it's going to be a tough one. I know that. Yeah, and I think the danger is is kind of letting it slip further. I mean, if you, if you lose a game down the stretch, I mean, you get oh, pretty yeah. close to, in my opinion, the point of, of no return where – Schedule's too favorable. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think recruiting, Blake, you've seen it happen with two coaches now. Recruiting can become a massive uphill climb when you start to have that kind of negativity around the program. Definitely. You know, there's there's schools that are going to negative recruit you, you know, and that that makes it tough on top. Of, smart. Exactly. You're, and, you're, and if you don't have whenever you lean on things like development, the trajectory of the program, you know, winning games, you don't have that, that feather in your hat this year. Sure. You can sit there and talk about a top five school in academics, you know, yes, that could probably sell a mom or a dad. Let's face it. Most of these kids think that they're going to go to the NFL. They think that whatever school they go to, they're going to be able to be successful enough to get drafted, get film and do all those types of things. So is, is top five education. Is it a good thing to have? Sure. Is that going to work on some kids? Sure. But the majority of those kids, that's not going to work. They want to come in. They want to win games. They want to win championships. You know, do they want to be developed? Yes. But there's a lot of schools that people think that they can be developed by teams that are winning. So I think there's a really, there's some inconsistencies in the pitch that Florida does. And obviously, you know, pitching academics, pitching development, pitching the trajectory of the program, that's not going to work this year, especially whenever you're being negative recruited by other schools that are winning those games and doing those things that kids want. Yeah, I think I, go ahead, Brett. I just want to add one thing. I, I agree completely because unfortunately, I've seen too many of my former teammates. Let's be honest. Everyone thinks they're going to the NFL when they get that opportunity to declare they're gone. So it's like, yes, a top five academic school is great. But unfortunately, I'd say 60 to 70 percent of those, you know, teammates I had aren't viewing this like, oh, I'm going to get my degree. It's like, no, man, like I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to, you know, 
be a, a first round draft pick and not everyone even utilizes the opportunities they have in the academics there. So I agree completely. It's like, when you think about it like that, it's like, shoot, you know, if I'm not going in and I'm playing now and, and they're not selling me on that, why am I going to Florida? You know? Yeah. Well, I think you guys, I think you guys said it pretty well. I mean, I think, um, you know, right or wrong, Florida's got the chance for this to go the wrong way down the stretch. And I think I said it after the Kentucky game. I think Dan Mullen is in a position at Florida now that he really probably hasn't been in before as a coach. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there were years at Mississippi State where the fans weren't totally thrilled, but it's Mississippi State. You don't feel the same level of intensity from the fans that you do at a place like Florida when you're not getting the job done. And the challenge to keep those guys locked in, like Brett's talking about, is going to be very difficult. And I think I think if you're Florida and, and you're hoping still that it can still work out with Dan Mullen – you hope that he kind of had that realization yesterday that, you know, I need to take a deep look at myself, what my staff is doing, figure out exactly the areas we're coming up short in. And I've got to get a to the Gator standard in those areas. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, I've covered SEC football long enough to know where this heads. I mean, Florida's in a, in a pretty tough spot now where it's going to be hard to recover given the, the momentum that is rolling the wrong way in terms of the last 13 months. So you know, I, I, like I said, I think Dan Mullen has a lot of really upside qualities as a coach. Uh, I think that, you know, unfortunately, stubbornness maybe a little bit has led to not recognizing some of the issues that were showing up a little bit sooner. The talent drop off, you know, I think for Florida, you know, you got to develop Anthony Richardson the rest of the way. The one thing that that always can pull you through is a truly elite Heisman type quarterback. And I think Florida does have a guy on its roster that could turn into that. So, you know, if Dan Mullen uh, is going to get through this, I think that, you know, those final four games of the season, you got to see a lot of Anthony Richardson and guys will have plenty of time to talk about that, but we're running a little bit long on today's show. So we'll end it there. I want to thank Brett for joining us. You guys will, we'll have more on swamp 24 seven, check it out about his arrival. In addition to our staff, And uh, Blake, I appreciate all your thoughts, as always, on recruiting. That'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 Podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.